Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The comments were sometimes unkind. Unkind, but in a superficial way that you could shrug off. Nevertheless, I remember them. I don't know what it was about my old church that sometimes made people feel as though they could say just about anything to me and it wouldn't have an effect on me. Maybe because I was a woman or because I was young or because they thought I had a sense of humor, (laughs) which I do sometimes. (laughs) But I remember one of my first Sundays at this other church where I worked where a woman came up and said, where the devil did you get those shoes? You're not an 85-year-old woman. Why don't you dress like a young woman? So I got very paranoid about what my shoes looked like. (laughs) And as winter, fall and winter approached, I bought myself a pair of really cute, kicky little boots with a two and a half inch heel, which really is pushing it for me swayed with a slouchy shaft that went almost all the way up to the knee. An older man who sat on the second row every Sunday said in the lobby after the service was over, What are you trying to be, a pirate? (laughs) I figured at any moment you were going to jump up onto the altar table and do some swashbuckling. And the cherished comment from a teen when I was leading the confirmation class, oh, your sermons are so boring and long. I just sit there and I stare at the ceiling and I go, oh God, what is she going to finish? So I figured my late afternoon with Alicia might include some of those But they didn't. Alicia was four years old, and her soon-to-be foster father was a pharmacy student who was working as our custodian a few hours a week 
for extra pay. Her father showed up to do his job late one Thursday afternoon, about this time of year, when it wasn't that late, but the sun was about to go down. He came into the office and said, I'm so sorry, I have Alicia with me, but I've got to do my job. Can someone watch her? And I said, well, I'm pretty much finished with everything for today. So I said, what do you want to do, Alicia? And we went into the sanctuary and we played church. She crawled up on a chair and stood behind the pulpit and played pastor. Most of what she said was, everybody be quiet and sit down, (laughs) sit down. And then I thought, how mean am I in services? So she tired of that, and finally we went all the way around the building and did a couple of laps, and then she decided she wanted to have a story read to her in the rocking chair that was out in the lobby. So I sat in the chair, and she crawled up in my lap, and we picked out some big book from the basket. And about halfway through the story, her little head turned, and she looked up at me, and she said, You feel nice. And I said, what did you say? She said, I said, you feel nice. You're all warm. That was about the nicest compliment I'd had in about a month. The writer of Hebrews tells us that in this epistle, we learn that Jesus is the mirror image of God. Jesus is the very reflection of God on earth, and in that sweet little maternal moment, me, the pastor who had a little girl on her lap, a little girl who was being fostered by the soon-to-be wife of the young man who was cleaning our bathrooms just to make a little bit of extra money for the wedding, in that moment, she was being Jesus for me. And I'd like to think I was being Jesus for her, being a safe and warm, comfortable adult who was watching over her and hopefully letting her see that church is a safe place and that that church would always be there to care for her. Jesus is indeed the mirror image of God on earth, and we look all around us for those images especially when we're not feeling especially Christmassy, when the Spirit isn't really touching us all that much. Another thing that the writer of Hebrews tells us is that God speaks to us. You may not be a person who feels like uh, you get direct messages from God, or you feel that God is speaking in complete sentences to you in your native language but maybe you feel a brush of angel's wings or you hear a line of a song that makes you think or you hear something that your mother would have always said to you and she would have said it again if she were still here. Sometimes we get a message from God and maybe we don't realize it is from God. I went to the bank. I think it was today. It was many hours ago. (laughs) to get a few rolls of quarters. And as I was standing there and the teller was helping me, she asked, 
So, are you ready for tomorrow? I said, tomorrow? I'm not worried about tomorrow at all. I don't know if I'm ready for today. And she said, well, what are you doing today? I said, well, I'm a minister at a church, and we have three services. The last one's at 11, and I'm supposed to preach. She said, 11 p.m.? <laughs> I said, yes. And I said, my problem is it's 11 a.m. right now, and I feel confident that I know exactly what I'm going to say, but that is 12 hours away, and what if I forget? <laughs> and this disembodied voice came out and said, he will help you. It was a little spooky till I realized it was Vicky in the next teller spot. <laughs> but Vicky was right. Vicky is right. God always helps preachers. God always helps all of us in moments when we're wearing a little bit thin, when we feel unprepared, when we feel like we can't go on one more step. He will be there at 11 p.m. He will help you. Jan Richardson is a minister and poet whose books I love, and she writes about looking for signs of hope during Advent. Her poem says, We see the signs, but cannot always divine their meanings. You call us to move forward, not always knowing whether what we grasp in our hands will prove to be a seed of hope or a thorn in our flesh. Train our fingers that what brings life we may with persistence hold, and that which wastes our souls we may with grace release. The writer of Hebrews also tells us that Jesus was a gentle Messiah. Being one of us, Jesus learned how to be merciful with his fellow human beings. Jesus in Hebrews is labeled as the great high priest. And so we might think of a great high priest as someone who is high and mighty and judgmental, who looks at us through squinted eyes, ready to tell us that we've done wrong or we've fallen short or we could have tried harder. But Jesus instead is this gentle Savior, this Son of God with whom God was well pleased. Jesus is the model to whom believers look. Jesus said, let the children come to me. And maybe some of those children said, you feel nice. You're all warm. How would the world feel if it sat on your lap? Would you exude warmth? Would you exude gentleness? Oh, me, not always. But in my best moments, I hope that I try to mirror what Jesus modeled for us while he was here on earth. There's such a buildup to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, isn't there? So often by about noon on Christmas, especially if you have small children living with you, you feel like it's just about over. You move on to the afternoon, maybe there's football, maybe there's a nap, or 24 hours of your favorite movie, and you've already moved on to looking through the newspaper or looking online 
for what sales are available and what you're going to do with the rest of your week. My grandmother, long after she had said goodbye to the small child in her life, would always take down the Christmas tree on the 26th. Always. There were no 12 days of Christmas for her. And so it came to an abrupt end. I know so many times growing up in this church, I would leave and think, it went so fast. All of that wonderful time of being in the choir or being in the congregation or just being there for a service, it went so fast. And now we'll go to bed and we'll wake up and we'll have Christmas and then it'll be gone. So many popular songs say we wish Christmas would last all year. I think it would wear most of us out, but we sure wish that that spirit of Christmas would last all year when people feel compelled to say godly things to one another and to surprise each other with gentleness and with kindness. I know every Christmas Eve that I can remember, and we'll say it again tonight, we closed with a benediction that says the Christmas candles will burn out, the carols will die away, and all of the radiant, song-thrilled season will pass. My sister and I would always look at each other when Dr. Biggs read that, and we would mouth the word, Bummer. (laughs) The candles will die out. The candles will burn out. The carols will die away. And all the radiant, song-thrilled season will pass. And Mamma will take down her tree. And the wrapping paper will be wadded up and thrown in the trash. And we will have to figure out what to do next. But that's not the punchline of the benediction. The punchline is, but you alone, the eternal, remain. And you are enough. You alone, the eternal, remain, and you are enough. You alone, the eternal, are all we need. When it's all said and done, we have the peace of the eternal. I mean P-I-E-C-E and P-E-A-C-E of the eternal within us. And that is enough to get us past the 26th and the 29th, and the 31st mixed bag that it is, and the 1st, and the 15th, and Valentine's Day, and St. Patrick's Day, and the end of the semester, and the hot days of summer. Before you know it, we're back here getting ready for Christmas, reminding ourselves that God alone, the eternal, remains, and God is enough. When everything else falls apart, when your dreams haven't come true, and when your Christmas is over, sometimes even before it begins, God alone, the eternal, remains. And God is enough. And a little child can feel it. A little child will lead us. A little child will say to God without hesitation, You feel nice. You're all warm.